Well, folks, it's Jerry Adams here, Rish. August Tasola Gomsa, Gwil Shivsha, Gumai. We had a very special concert since last I did a podcast, and it featured Christy Moore. Now, the first time that Christy sang Nanty Mays from Dublin in West Belfast, that's his song about the obscenity of the his blocks. First time he sang it was in the old Ballamurphy Tenants Association on the White Rock Road. And that was the summer of 1980. And Tom Cahill had asked Christy to come to the city and play a set. And Christy still wasn't sure of the words. He was, I suppose, getting to know the song. And he had a piece of paper that he had written the words on and he had that taped to the microphone. Now that same summer, the Hits Block LP, which had been recorded over the previous two years, was also released. And that was just a very short time before the first hunger strike commenced and it was at the height of the public campaign in support of political status, in support of the five demands. It had 10 tracks and a wealth of talent. The formidable Christie himself, Francie Brawley, Don Dowd, McConnelly, Noel Hill, Tony Lenehan, Donald Lunny, Matt Malloy and Declan Sinnott. And Stephen Ray, the actor, read three poems, two of them written by the prisoners in the hits blocks and smuggled from the prison. And through the words and the music, the plight of the prisoners in the hits blocks in Armagh prison and the strength of their resistance and endurance is evoked. The LP includes the iconic Francie Brawley singing his iconic song, Hates Block Song, I Wear No Convict's Uniform. McConnelly's On the Blanket, Nettie Mays from Dublin by Christie himself. And I tell you all of this because the Hates Block album has been remastered as a not-for-profit production by the Green Cross and as part of the 40th commemoration of the hunger strikes of 1980 and 81. It's a tribute and, I suppose, uh, a celebration of the courage and resilience of the 10 men who died on hunger strike in the blocks, and also of Michael Gahan and Frank Stagg. And the relaunch public, the relaunch album received its first public presentation at an event in the Felons Club. And speaking about the role, the impact, the importance of music and the arts of film and the written word, of poetry, prose, drama, former blanket man and hunger striker Lawrence McKeown told those presents that the arts have the ability to move people to tears, to lift confidence and provide hope, and to make the hairs in the back of your neck stand up. Friday night was such a night. Christy, in great form, sat alone on the stage reminiscing and singing. The audience, including this columnist, were enthralled. It was an intimate event, more like a family gathering than a gig. And Christy obviously enjoyed the appreciative audience response to his songs and to his stories. Many of us had tears in our eyes as he interspersed no time for love, 
Only Our Rivers Run Free, Back Home in Derry, Michael Hatton, and other songs with stories from those years. He spoke fondly of Bobby Sands and described Michael Hatton as one of the finest pieces of poetry he has ever read. He wondered what other marvellous pieces of prose and song Bobby might have written had he not died on hunger strike. Christie also recalled his good friends Tom Cahill and Bob Murray and their drive to use music to highlight the injustice in the Hates Blocks and Armagh Women's Prison. 90 miles from Dublin, which he plans to rewrite as a tribute to Kieran Nugent, the first man to refuse to wear the uniform. The original song had its roots in conversations between Christie and former blanket men Kieran, Kieran Nugent, Fran McCann and Ned Brown about their experiences in the blocks. And Christie recalled that when the LP was launched in Dublin, the venue was raided by the Garda Special Branch, who confiscated all of the LPs. Ten years later at a concert, a man came forward and identified himself as one of the branchmen on the raid, and he gave Christie two of the original LPs. Christie, at our event in the Fallon's End, surprised Fran Khan, who was in the audience, by calling him up and presenting him with one of his two copies. Christie, and these were original copies, Christie also recalled a visit to the Hits Blocks in 1986 on a clapped out minibus, one of the small fleet used to bring relatives of prisoners to the jail each day. Afterwards, he made another album, The Spirit of Freedom, with the image of the lark in Ishog, the Bobby Sands symbol, on the front cover. And he presented Bob and Murray Murray with a copy of this. It was a hugely poignant, highly enjoyable, uplifting evening of song, reminiscence, memory and crack. Thank you, Christy, for a memorable evening. A small limited edition in vinyl of the Hits Block LP has been produced, as well as a CD. The LP and CD are available through an Ishog, 55 Falls Road, www.thelarkstore.ie and it's also available, the CD is anyway, through Republican Merchandising Limited at the Sinn Féin Bookshop. So Sinn Féin, a great evening and a fine piece of history being revisited by us all. And interestingly enough, on another note, and totally unrelated, but I suppose by nature of the fact that we still are divided by the British government's involvement in our affairs. And now, thankfully, there is a a peaceful way to end that. But I was looking at what Richard had dug out from the 2011 census figures and then the stats that were drawn from the 2017 multiple deprivation measure areas of Belfast and in these and I I just like using the word Protestant or Catholic or indeed any denomination to uh, identify people but that's what they use in these studies so the folks in these areas are identified as Catholic or Protestant and there are 174 so-called super output areas in Belfast City, each with a population on average of just under 2,000 people. 
Now, did you know that the overall Belfast area was 47% Protestant in 2011, or that in 2017 the highest income poverty rate in Belfast was in Woodville? That was at 24.7%, and that was at that time 91% Protestant. Or that the area with the greatest or second highest uh, rate of income poverty was Ardoin. Uh, which in 2011 was 95% Catholic and 24.6% in terms of the highest income poverty. Or that of the poorest 30% of Belfast, 17 out of of the 52 SOS are Protestant areas. These are all, you know, not appropriate terms, but that's the way it's described anyway. And that... Protestants form 44% of the population of the city. Overall, within the city, Catholics continue to experience greater levels of poverty. However, this has been my experience over a long time, it's also true that many loyalist working class areas endure similar levels of deprivation in relation to health and disability, crime and their living environment. Now, none of the larger unionist parties show the slightest interest in challenging these problems. Everything is subordinated in their view to maintaining a status quo that will condemn the next generation of young people to the same levels of poverty that their parents have known. It's all about no change or dilute the change or delay the change. And a few weeks ago, just before the EU produced its proposals on the protocol, the DUP, UUP and TUV participated in discussions at the Tory party conference. And this, we're told, was intended to expose the damage being caused by the North, to the North's economy by the protocol. But instead, it succeeds in confirming that the protocol is proving advantageous to businesses here and across the island of Ireland. New figures from the Irish government's Central Statistics Office revealed that cross-border trade on the island of Ireland continues to sharply increase. In the first eight months of this year, exports from the south to the north grew by 47% compared to the same period in 2020. Trade going north to south grew even greater by 61%. And even... uh, when you listen to the British Brexit minister, you get this as his main concern. He told the Tory meeting, we're definitely seeing supply chains being reordered quite quickly. Trade between Northern Ireland and Ireland has gone up in a lot of directions. His worry is that this will weaken the links with GB. I think he said that's inevitable. But once again, the Conservative Unionist parties choose to put their political self-interest above that of the working class interests of loyalist families who will carry much of the burden of the Brexit decisions with the imposition of increasing hardship. Now, we Republicans believe that the best future for the people of Ireland is through reunification. We believe in working together as, as neighbours, 
We believe that collectively we have the wit and the vision and the wisdom to shape a new Ireland that meets all of our concerns, including our unionist brothers and sisters. Unionists are loyalist representatives working constructively with Republican representatives inside or outside of the Assembly and local councils will not make them any less committed to their connection to the Union with Britain, no more than it would diminish the commitment of Sinn Féin representatives to a united Ireland. But it would mean better outcomes for those communities that have constantly topped the list for severe poverty and deprivation, and that should be our direction of travel. October, as we come to the end of it, it's worth recalling that it's the month of Samhain. This ancient Celtic festival is one of the four quarter days in Bollock, Balchina, Lunasa and Samhain. And they're in the old Gaelic calendar. And Ihahauna or Sauna or Samhain is celebrated over October the 31st to November the 1st. And this has been noted in the very earliest of Irish literature. It marks the end of the harvest season, the beginning of the darker part of the year, the winter. It's also believed to be the time when the boundary between this world and the other world relaxes so that the spirits can come into this world. The souls of the dead are said to return to their home places. And this led to many tricks and games which are continued to be played up to this day, people dressing up, mumming, as well as the more serious rituals. Samhain is the precursor of Halloween. The exiled Irish brought it to North America where hollowed out pumpkin lanterns replaced the turnip lanterns of Ireland. So as you celebrate Halloween or Ihahauna, remember that before the English conquest of Ireland, we had an advanced civilization with its own customs, beliefs, music, culture and language, some of which endures to this day against all the odds. It's also a timely reminder that nothing stays the same. Chain choppings. And this sound brings us all another day closer to ending the conquest. So, Ihahauna, Fuiwaisha, Devsha. I want to finish by thanking Brendan Kennelly and Marawakan T, two of our finest poets who died last weekend. I want to thank them for their work and for the wonderful legacy that they have less left us, both in the Irish and English languages. And their words will endure forever. And I'll finish with Brendan Kennelly's wonderful poem, Begin. Though we live in a world that dreams of ending, that always seems about to give in, something that will not acknowledge conclusion, insists that we forever begin. So go well, folks, and we'll have Christy play us out with The Time Has Come to Part.
my darling girl No longer can I stay My heart like yours is broken Together we'll prove strong The road I take will show the world The suffering that goes on Gentle clasp that holds my hand Must loosen and let go Please help me through the door Though instinct tells you no Our vow it is eternal and will bring you dreadful pain But if our demands aren't recognized Don't call me back again How their sorrow touched us all Final days When it was time She held the door And touched his sallow face The flame lit while leaving Is still burning strong by the light it's plain to see The suffering still goes on The time has come to part my love I must go away Girl, no longer can I stay.